Welcome to the Boldly Business Podcast, brought to you by Sage and Fin24. I am your host, Graham Richards. In this podcast, we chat to a range of dynamic entrepreneurs across Mzanzi as they take us through their journey to profit. Through the season, we will identify their mistakes so you don't have to repeat them, get game-changing tips, and learn from their lessons to get you closer to being the business owner you want to be. In today's episode, we speak to Lauren George of Call to Care, who run a business called Paint and Sip. First, a bit of background about Lauren. She's been with the Call to Care family for two years now. On her return to South Africa from a few years abroad in Vietnam as an English teacher, she decided she wanted to throw herself into meaningful work and use her experience in early childhood development specifically in those teaching skills, as well as her love for managing projects and hosting events. As head of fundraising, she supervises and coordinates all operations within Call to Care that generates income, predominantly paint and sip. And she works closely with an internal team with volunteers, as well as clients, donors, and various members of the community. She leads two other umbrella initiatives, the one being Specworm for climate change, and then HUE Community, which involves community-driven initiatives, such as the Heritage Day Street Store and the Winter Warmer Drive, to name a few. She is busy. Uh, she enjoys being creative. And to quote her, she says she is passionate about giving back helping those who need it most, and she prides herself on being an organizing freak. She's here to share how to create a seamless process to move your business online without disrupting employees. I think a lot of small businesses have been going through this journey, especially in this COVID year and a half that we have had. Lauren, a very warm welcome. So good to be connecting with you. Hi, it's so I, nice to be here. It, it really is. I've been enjoying this series so much because I'm plugging into like-minded individuals coming from completely different sectors, but we've all had a shared experience over this last year and a half. So I feel it is vitally important from one human being to another human being to just check in. <laughs> How are you? How have you fared over this crazy year and a half? Well, um, I think like everyone else in the world, it's been a struggle to say the very <laughs> least, but, um, we actually, I think we've, we've really pushed ourselves in this last year as a nonprofit to really expand and get a little creative. I think everyone's had to, you really had to get creative. Pivot, with what pivot, you, pivot. Pivot, like Ross says, yes, no, you, you really got to try and uh, just adapt really. And it's been good. It's been, it's been bad, but it's been good. I have to believe with the skills that we are developing and with this focus on industry and creating opportunities like never before, and also the increase in our digital network, the fact that we can have a meeting with anyone at any point, anywhere in the world with, you know, whether we're wearing pants or not, <laughs> um, we, are, we are able to do that. But it sounds like you are unbelievably busy and with some really interesting projects because each one has meaning underpinning it. So that I think a good jumping off point would be with a bit of a description on your businesses, business, how does it all tie together? Give us the broader scope and where it all began for you. So we run a small nonprofit here based in Cape Town, which when people hear nonprofit, they think, oh, it's a, it's a charity, but it's not just that. We're also a business enterprise at the same time. So under the umbrella of Call to Care, we have very different and diverse initiatives. One of those, um, which is mine as the head of fundraising, is Paint and Sip. 
which is our largest fundraising initiative. And what we do is we host these really gorgeous um, art classes at the most stunning venues all across Cape Town. And people come, they drink wine, they have great food, beautiful backdrops, paint a lovely picture, learn some new skills, have a lovely day. And that money then gets recycled back into Call to Care and into our other initiatives that actually need funding. Maybe you can expand on the fundraiser's role because when we look at the function, it's probably the most pressurized point within that production chain because everything falls apart if you can't get the funding. And as much as it seems like a great idea and and you know that your organization is worth it and everyone should jump on board, there are a lot of organizations out there and the pie is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So maybe talk me through your function as a business unit. So with fundraising, like you said, there are so many different organizations and, oh, I should give something to that. And, oh, that's got that. This is this. What we try to do um, to bring in the funds ourselves, and I'm talking separate from uh you know, the funds that come in from donations and companies and corporates that want to be involved, our day-to-day fundraising, how we try and encourage more people to be involved is by not making them feel like they're just giving money to us. We create these fun and exciting events for corporates, for the public that brings in cash and also connects them to the communities a lot of the time. So it's not just, okay, I'm giving you 20 rand and I can take that off my checklist for the month. I've done something good. You're coming and having an experience, whether it be painting, whether it be, um, you know, uh, building a garden, a vegetable garden at an underprivileged school. These things, we try and make it fun and educational and inspiring so that people go, oh, I really want to do that again next month. That was fun. What are they going to do next? Essentially, you're creating an emotional connection. And if you hit the right person on the right day, that can be worth a lot of funding. Why is it so important? Why have you identified this mode as such an important tool to use? I think because, especially now in these times, money's tight. Um, People don't, there's also a lot of mistrust with nonprofits, if we're speaking honestly. You hear about this, someone asks for money, oh, the money's going to this. When you don't really see where your money's going to, do you really believe it? I mean, how do you know that the boss isn't pocketing 20 rand of the 50 rand you give them? So when we try to think of how we can bring in some money, we go, well, let's show you where this money's going. Let's take you there. Come to the gardens, plant some speck boom with us, be involved, help paint the classroom. So you see the people firsthand that you're affecting and there is no bigger or better experience than being involved and seeing the people that you, whose lives you get to change and being involved in that firsthand, seeing the smile on a kid's face when their classroom's been revamped and repainted in beautiful pinks and blues and rainbow colors, or you're teaching someone a new skill that they get to take and move forward with their life. And you know, maybe changes their lives, maybe doesn't, but to be there and to see these things and to be involved. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's, it's an irreplaceable experience. And I, I definitely do get that. And it matters. It really it does. does matter to the people that you are helping. 
Um, and it also then starts to translate into these other cool areas like team building. If someone's looking to promote their, their company culture mm-hmm. within their own organization, and if you can align your organization and your kind of mechanisms, your activations to that, suddenly again, it's this beautiful plug and play. I love the fact that everything you're talking about, it's almost like you're selling a product. It doesn't feel like you're going around asking for handouts, which says to me that you're a business. And obviously, many businesses have had to shift gears dramatically over the last year and a half. You guys have gone online. Yes. What has that process been like? What was the motivation? Obviously, we know that COVID has affected us and lockdown has had a massive, massive direct effect on how we operate, especially with live events. (laughs) Um, But what was the push to go online and how has that process been? Oh, well, to start, challenging. Um, I'm not a very tech-savvy person. (laughs) And to pivot a business from in-person to online, you need a couple of tech skills, which I definitely don't have. Thank goodness there's other people. Still not. Still not. Oh, come on. Have you ever tried to make an Instagram reel? Like basic. (laughs) A 15-year-old can do it. But you ask me and I sit there like an absolute doofus. I'm like, okay, well, but it's a video, but there's a picture. Why, how did they, and then there's music. It's too many, too many things. I'm not even going to ask you about TikTok. (laughs) Yeah, please don't. (laughs) Um, So with, especially with paint and sip where we are in person events at wine estates, not wine estates are closed, all these kind of things. How do we bring in the money? How do we fund our nonprofit without these events? So we went, okay, well, virtual. I mean, you could host an art class virtually, right? And everyone's been drinking at home. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I know I have. And you don't have to put on pants and go out. I mean, exactly. it's, it's, it's brilliant. Um, it, was, it was a necessity. It was bred out of necessity, obviously, to try and figure out how we could still keep our patrons entertained. I mean, we've got regulars that come month in and month out to these events. We don't want to leave them hanging. I mean, there was your lifeblood. yeah, Exactly. And also, I mean, people get a little tired of Netflix. I think we've all been through Netflix twice at this rate. Um, So we wanted to still give people something exciting to do and also bring in the cash. And when we decided to go virtual, it was a matter of, okay, how do we actually take this experience, which is interactive and in-person and fun and, and translate it into a Zoom call? I mean, Zoom calls can be quite impersonal <laughs> unless you make them not that way. And uh, it was a learning curve with the tech and how to and cameras and lighting and all that kind of thing. And we realized that if you have the right people that love this and enjoy the events and you got the right artists with these great personalities, it all translates. And it's, it's actually worked out brilliantly and even better for us because instead of just uh, hosting to Cape Town, we've now gone nationwide. Yeah, well, global. I mean, you know, the Comrades <laughs> Marathon had to do that. They, they made the leap to a virtual marathon. They had more entrants than they have ever had before. So now That's they'll amazing. never go back. They'll have the physical <laughs> race, but they can never go back. So like you, a little bit tech resistant. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm old. <laughs> so yeah, I sit way, way on the other side of the digital divide. My four-year-old is probably more savvy on, on YouTube and, and in terms of how he uses tech. So I get that. Managing that transition for the staff and your coworkers, mm. I would imagine a cultural shift from what you know. What was that process like? What did you have to do? 
Was there upskilling? Did you all have to workshop ideas? Do you outsource? How do you manage the migration to online? So call to care as a core team, there's actually only four of us. We are a very, very, very tiny company. And we work predominantly with volunteers, which is just incredible. And since we've transitioned online, instead of just having a couple of volunteers that come and work on site and in the gardens, um, we have built this volunteering program, a virtual volunteering program, which has expanded to over 50 volunteers in the right. last less than a year globally. We wow. have volunteers from the United States who know nothing about our culture, our people, our country, who have heard about this, have wanted to be involved and are learning and are so interested. And taking a core team of four with very little tech-savvy skills and no idea what on earth we were doing and then having all these volunteers, we've really had to upskill not only the volunteers because, I mean, these volunteers, they come in, they want to help, but they don't always necessarily have all the skills for all the different departments. So. We've really had to create this system of not just an interview of, hey, why do you want to be here? That's great. You want to help. What is it that you do? What are you good at? What can you help us with? What do you bring to the party? And then taking that and getting them to teach other volunteers and help them upskill in departments where they're not, you know, so profoundly good. And we've, We've upskilled ourselves. I mean, tasks managers and things like this, Asana and, um, you know, Google Hangouts and, and creating an environment where everyone feels that the com communications, sorry, are always open, that people feel comfortable with their tasks, that there is, that there is always an understanding and always a helping hand that has been really invaluable. And it really is communication. It's task managing. So one task at a time, instead of saying, right, well, we need to, we want to start an initiative. Go. These are 50 things that we need to achieve <laughs> exactly. for sure. So we find parts that people feel comfortable that they're good at. And even things that people aren't so good at, if you are not so good with the mailing system or, you know, creating surveys or creating web design, we then molds and see where people fit in best and where we fit in best. And it's, it's really been incredible to see how people are excited to learn new things. I mean, I've learned new things. I met a real eventually. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Bold Leap Business Podcast brought to you by Sage and Fin24. It's, you know, I'm listening to you, 50 employees essentially, and you don't have to pay one of them. That no, <laughs> you have the ultimate operational model. Now, I think you can add human resources to your, because that's essentially what you're doing here is you're looking at your human capital and how to get the most out of that. And again, it speaks to the idea that you are growing a business and you're using the tools to maximize that operational model. Walk me through your growth path, because Great ideas like this are great in their, their essence, but it takes a very different level of energy, fortitude, commitment to see it through to become a going concern that is also, you know, has the, the credibility, the financial record. As you say, there is so much mistrust in this area. So you need to paint the right kind of picture 
So all of the partners, sponsors, everyone volunteers, even if you're going to keep their their buy-in. Talk me through your growth path and and how the company has been able to grow to this point. What has been the, the key to your success, do you think? Trust, open communication, and a lot of grunt work. <laughs> um, Care started literally as a group of friends on Heritage Day many years ago that wanted to host a little bride for an orphanage and, you know, just have a bit of fun and give back. And it kind of grew from there as, okay, well, maybe we could do another thing like this. Okay. Oh, someone actually wants to be involved. Oh, we've got someone that wants to donate the the meat and the this. And over the last, I mean, we're celebrating our ninth birthday this year. Wow, congratulations. On Heritage Day. Sure. And it's gone from a couple of friends just wanting to have fun and do good to, like you said, creating a business. I mean, we run events constantly, paint and sip every single month. We we have corporate sponsors and corporate donors and we host year-end functions and corporate events. It's it's not just the public. I mean, we we've, we've really branched out and um the growth is because we want it. I think that you can't really develop and grow as a business or as, as a person even if you don't really want it. You got to have that drive to say I can do more. I want to be bigger. I want to be better. What more gotta can I do? Got to have the ambition. Yeah. Exactly. And our team and our volunteers are part of that team. Every single one of us on a weekly basis in our meetings and our stand-ups, someone goes, I had an idea the other day. And we go, oh, well, that's great. We have tons of ideas. And they go, no, no, but we're going to make this work. And it's, it's perseverance. I mean, being in a nonprofit is really hard. I mean, getting funds getting sponsors, getting people to agree to let you build a garden in the middle of nowhere (laughs) in an underserved community with little to nothing, you know, when you start. And it's, it's just drive really. And having really good people that you trust and that want to be there with you every step of the way, when you've got someone who's kind of in it for the wrong reasons or in it for the cash or just doing it to get by, there's none of that fuego. There's none of that drive. That, that fire. Exactly. How many times do you hear no before you get a yes? Well, I mean, you said no to this interview six times. <laughs> yeah. I have to beg you to let me in here. <laughs> it's basically breaking down the door. Oh, no is a word that we hear far too often. And understandably so. I mean, people don't just want to give other people things. We don't have a lot of gifts at the moment. And people worry that giving too much might prevent people from actually doing work themselves. And like we said, we're not like that. We don't just go out and hand people money and yay, you know, be free. It's let's take what other people have and let's invest that into the future of this country. So when we look at the future of this country and the past of this country, there's been a lot of no's, but no uh, is an obstacle. I have been told very many times how annoying I am and how persistently <laughs> annoying I am. And you know it's what? It's kind of the job descri- <laughs> exactly. description, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is basically what I do. I convince people in a very annoying way until they say yes, that this is the right thing to do or that 
this is going to work and that there is something here. So you're always going to hear no in your life, whether it's from a man, at school and life and work relationships. There's always going to be someone trying to close that door on you and just be like, well, hmm, this isn't for us. You're not for us. You're just not right. Prove them wrong. Completely. And often that no has got nothing to do with you. It's exactly. them. It's their life cycle. It's their money. It's their culture. It's their ethos, whatever that is. Exactly. So don't put it on you. And if you don't believe in your organization. No one else is no going one to. No one else is going to. <laughs> exactly. There must have been a lot of very positive spin-offs. I know it's still very fresh to you, but moving online, and I know a lot of the guests that I've chatted to in this particular podcast, I've spoken about this idea of kind of almost a marketing research singularity where you get to engage immediately with your customers, with your stakeholders, with your, your communities. In your case, you get that instant feedback. What have been some of the benefits to moving online? For us as an organization, it's been the reach. Honestly, there is no better way to put it. The fact that we can host volunteers in the United States. I mean, that's awesome. Did you yeah. do that before? You know, Zoom calls and all these things? Absolutely not. It would be impossible. Imagine that phone call. That would cost you a fortune. <laughs> um, the, the fact that we have been able to take paint and sip and instead of just hosting these in-person events, we've created these paint and sip kits, which we now deliver door to door to your home that you can do it from the comfort of your own home. These little moments and connecting with people, speaking to um, corporates who will say, you know, oh, we'd love to schedule a meeting, but you know, things are really tight. You go, I got 10 minutes here. How quick is the <laughs> Zoom call? Let's get this started. So it's that immediate interaction, like you said, and access to just so much more. Um, there's just so much opportunity and technology makes it that much easier. I mean, I don't know how anyone did anything before Google. I mean, I can't even find my house down a road without using Google Maps. <laughs> so technology has created this amazing reach and this amazing wealth of information that we can immediately get out and spread word and viral content, things like that. It's just, yeah, that's what it's been for us really, reach. Um, and it's it's all there. The data is there mm. for you to to track, to exactly. to then make those decisions. You you mentioned being adaptable, yeah, uh, and that needs to be a constant, not just waiting for the big COVID moment to happen, but you oh, need no. to be able to track what's happening within your own operational model and react to what's working. Exactly. Um, all of this being said, I kind of feel like you guys are only really getting started. You you're starting to mature as a business. What's that trajectory? What are, you, what are you wanting to achieve? And wh where are the kind of focus areas for your growth? Oh, man, we want to keep going until we hit the sky. Uh, you know, uh, not big dreams, obviously. Uh, for us, there's just so many upcoming projects that we are so excited about. Our Heritage Day project, which is on our birthday, this is something that we only developed this year um, under the, like you said, HUE community, the HUE community, which is holistically uplifting and upskilling, encouraging communities. We work with the homeless. We want to work with women in shelters, battered women and children. These, there are so many different parts of our communities that are often forgotten or, well, they'll figure themselves out. You know, maybe they got themselves here. It's not our problem. 
you know, we've got things to worry about. Um, yeah, we've just become so desensitized to it all. We just switch off to it, yeah. Exactly. So our aim, especially for this year and for next year and going forward, is to keep connecting communities, the underserved communities and those who have a little bit more to give and bring them together and really show South Africa that if we all get together, not to sound very, you know, like, oh. <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe after what we've experienced <laughs> in recent times in this country, we need a bit more fist in the air kind of proclamations <laughs> like that. Exactly. And like Hugh Community, we're really focusing on bringing communities together, upskilling communities. Our Heritage Day project, we're doing this amazing street store where I can't believe the support we've had in three months. Um, we've got donation boxes up all over Cape Town and South Africans are just bringing us their old clothing. So instead of chucking something in the bin, we're upcycling clothing. We're um, handing this clothing off to those people who need it. We're going to give them a nice hot meal. We're going to have some music going. It's going to be a fun day. We've got volunteers coming from all over the place to be involved. We've done a winter warm-up drive in the last three months as well where the public um, donated blankets. We had grannies knitting us blankets and beanies. It was so beautiful and crocheting. I've been a part of one of those knitting circles. Oh. It's special, man. <laughs> you know, I thought you might be. You had that kind of vibe. I, I have that kind of temperament, so I'm there. And in, a, in just a few months, we, we collected and raised money to for over 600 blankets wow. that were handed out at the Hope Exchange on Ruland Street. And with a hot meal from Ladles of Love. And that's one of our big things is not just bringing communities together, but also bringing companies and different organizations together. So we work collaboration. Mm. We work hand in hand with a lot of different organizations, Green Pop, Ladles of Love, these kind of initiatives where they bring their expertise, we bring ours and together. I mean, there's just nothing we can't do. I mean, the Agadi project, we're hoping to get a fully sustainable um, vegetable garden in, in every underserved school in Cape Town. And from there, even into the non-underserved schools, some underserved schools, so that every child grows up knowing how to grow his own vegetables, what he can do with it, knowing that he's got worth, knowing that they've got skills an and taking yeah. that into the future. So one day they don't have to go, oh, well, maybe things are tight. I can't get down to pick and pay. There is something else. And these skills get passed down for years and years. I mean, isn't that just a beautiful thought? It, it becomes a sense of pride. I, in my day job, I get to witness these kind of projects come to fruition. I'm often there for like the ribbon cutting ceremony <laughs> or the, you know, when we go and harvest the, the, the fruits of one of these planting kind of initiatives. And I get to see the sense of pride that gets instilled within those learners, within that broader community, there's something within that, the spirit. And we talk about Ubuntu, we've almost made it a cliche in this country, but I'm starting to feel now there's this authentic marriage of the ideas of what we want to achieve, these marketing messages that companies love to put out there, but then often don't live by the same ethos. Now everything is moving into one stream and, and listening to the way you talk about doing business in the space, not just asking for handouts is it's a huge motivation to me. Hard lessons learned, I'm sure, along the way. If you can imagine someone in your own life cycle a couple of years ago, maybe really struggling to find the motivation right now after having their teeth kicked in by <laughs> months of lockdown and 
curveballs and curveballs and then another curveball. What is your advice? What are the, the biggest learnings that you've garnered personally through this journey? Well, as you said, I was in Vietnam um, and came back just before COVID kind of got, well, became COVID. And um, I had been drifting for a while and I was loving being over there and teaching and being involved in the communities in Asia. But I just kind of felt like I'd lost kind of my footing and the drive behind it. And coming back here and doing, you know, one little project with Call to Care and now heading up the fundraising, the events um, and managing all of these different parts and sections that all need to work together to make our, our company what it is. You've got to find something that you truly believe in. You've got to give yourself the chance to fail. Fall on your face, flat in the mud, squirm around for a bit, pick yourself <laughs> up and say, well, that was a mistake. <laughs> that didn't work. How can we fix this? What can I take from that and move forward and not just give up? And that can apply to just about anything in life. Yeah. But in business, you get told no, like you said. You, you hit a wall. You're at home, you're lethargic, you're tired, you're sick of working, you're sick of nothing going right. Find that little tiny spark and just keep lighting it, keep igniting it and go, nope, I can do this. All right, that didn't work. I learned that I clearly don't know how to work this. Let's take a little marketing course. How can I improve my digital marketing? That will improve this section. From there, what can I take from that that I can learn to improve a different section? Speak to people, meet people who know more about you in different sectors and learn from them. Join seminars. Uh, there's YouTube videos and shortcuts. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's no, we as humans only stop growing when we stop learning. The second we stop trying to improve ourselves and trying to improve the world or our company, well, then what are we really doing? What are we really doing indeed? Lauren George of Call to Care, who heads up their fundraising initiative, Paint and Sip, is not only there to promote the healthy consumption of good wine in South Africa, <laughs> and while we explore our creative abilities trying to paint, um, but you are clearly born for the work that you're doing right now. So I'm so glad that you have found your click, that you have found where you can matter most, because I really do get a sense that meaning is at the heart of all of this. And I think we can all take away the fact that if you've asked and got a no, ask again. And then the next day, go back and ask again and again and again. Just Perseverance keep and annoyance. Completely. Keep that persistence going. And ultimately, it can make really good business sense to connect the haves and the have-nots. In fact, that might be the secret to unlocking the potential of this country. So keep fighting the good fight. Keep that fist in the air, sister. It really has been an absolute pleasure plugging into your beautiful mind <laughs> and the incredible work that you're doing. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much for letting me come here and waffle to you for this <laughs> amount of time. We really appreciate it. There is an opportunity for us as businesses operating, and I stress the word businesses operating in that social responsibility space to make ourselves more attractive to clients, to other stakeholders, to our consumers. At the end of the day, we are still marketing something and we want our 
public, the people that are buying into that to really emotionally connect with it. It's up to you to get creative and then, of course, stay the course. Keep on fighting. And that's a wrap on this week's podcast. Join us again next time as we give you more tips to own your business journey. I'm your host, Graham Richards, and you are listening to the Bold Leap Business Podcast.